Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the First in Orange podcast. This is Denver Post sports writer Kyle Newman, joined as usual by my colleague Ryan O'Halloran in studio by phone. And we got a pretty packed show for you here today, breaking down the team march from this past weekend in downtown Denver. Uh, look at five players Broncos need to bounce back in 2020. Talking a little bit specifically about Andrew Beck and Elijah Holder and their potential roles this year. And then finally, to conclude the show, we will break down the tight end position and namely does rookie Albert O have a chance to make an impact with Noah Fan obviously being the starter and then some other depth around him so Ryan will open the show with discussion of that march uh, downtown on Saturday at the Capitol of course you were there about uh, 50 Broncos players 20 coaches uh, went on the march it culminated outside the Denver Performing Arts Center where they, you know, for nine minutes, they they took a knee, they were motionless in, in honor of George Floyd. What were your big takeaways from the march overall and just the Broncos' show of support for the community? Well, my first takeaway is my feet were sore at the end of the day. Right. F- uh, five, six miles you put in or what? Between five and six miles on the, on the iPhone odometer. Um, first takeaway was of, of the players who spoke at the uh, Civic Center Plaza where they staged the start. I thought Jeremiah Tachu was great and, and, and Justin Simmons was good because the, the tack they took was right. Is They didn't politicize it. They didn't say impeach this guy, fire this guy, defund the police, which is a ridiculous notion. Um, you know, the league has to do better. The commissioner's a bum. They should sign Kaepernick, et cetera, et cetera. They totally personalized their stories. And I think that was the right path because I'm sure there are people out there who didn't agree with some of their uh, – if they would have regaled them with their thoughts. So, uh, you know, I taught you talking about coming to America when he was a young child and being benefited by the No Child Left Behind Act, which allowed him to go to a better school. You know, Alexander Johnson said, hey, study – you know, learn who's, learn who's making these laws. Learn who can be people of influence who can change uh, change some of these you know beliefs and whatnot. And, and you know, I think Justin Simmons hit, you know hit a good note saying, "Hey, they're here, they're Broncos, but on that day, they're they're members of the Denver community that, that got a big ovation." And uh, you know, then they did the march. I think players started peeling off you know at various points. But you know, I think me and Mark Kizlar columnists were. You know, at the Performing Arts Center, when they had the nine minutes of silence, and Cortland Sutton was right next to us, and he was on one knee, head down, and I think that was a poignant moment. That's the one I'll remember the most, but you know, I think mostly is they wanted the, the Broncos players and coaches, they wanted to show the community that, hey, you know, they may work in a different financial stratosphere and or professional athletes and coaches, but they also support the community. They have your back, and uh, you know, that, that, that was... When I walked through the streets there, a couple of young young men come up to me who were you know citizens, and they saw my Denver Post credential and, and they said, "Hey, we appreciate you covering this because we think it's a big deal." And I said, "Hey, I said you go where the news is, and I'm glad I went." Uh, and, and now now it's okay. How do the what do the Broncos do next as players? Uh, we talked a little bit about that that last week, but once everybody gets back into town, and you know, let's see if they try and uh, organize some initiatives or something like that. Again, folks, First Orange Podcast, Kyle Newman alongside Ryan O'Halloran. Of course, you can read more about this march at denverpost.com slash broncos. And uh, in addition to the players you mentioned, and Atashu Simmons, 
Johnson, Devontae Bosby, Von Miller, and Devontae Harris, all address demonstrators. Uh, and as well as the coaches that uh, came, we should also give them mention. Vic Fangio out there, Pat Shermer, Ed Donatello, and Tom McMahon, the coordinators. Joe Ellis, president and CEO, also in attendance. I know Patrick Smythe, obviously, was out there, the uh, head of media relations for the Broncos. So a pretty good, strong community showing. And like you said, Ryan, it seems like uh, the community – appreciated the, the, the show support. And like you said, a pretty non-politicized show support, uh, just to come out and, you know, be with the community and, and address the folks there. Yeah. And it came together pretty quickly. And, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars did it the day before their stadium is downtown where their headquarters are state. They marched right down the main thoroughfare of Jacksonville to the uh, sheriff's office. And, but you don't see, so Jaguars and Broncos, um, I, at least I haven't seen, other teams in any sport uh, mobilize their roster like those these two teams have, and and they should both deserve credit for that. So again, folks, more coverage online, denverpost.com slash Broncos of that. Ryan wrote a great story, and Kisla also opined on it if you want to check that out. Moving on to the show here, look at five players the Broncos need to bounce back in 2020. And I wrote about this for my most recent Broncos Insider uh, also listed five players capable of breaking out if the Broncos want to be in serious playoff contention. But, you know, to me, Ryan, it starts with a kind of an obvious one, and this is this is an easy pick, but Bradley Chubb, after missing the last 12 games of last season due to that knee injury, uh, to, for him to come back and be a force opposite of Von Miller and considering all the other linebacking depth the Broncos have, that would be a huge, huge addition for Denver. Yeah, and... You know, your list here, most of these guys are coming off injury. And Trump, he's their best player. He was their best player when he got hurt last year. Right. Um, and, he, and the man finished the game with the torn ACL. And so he's all about toughness. You know, if they start September 14th, which was what I expect them to do, he'll have a nearly 12 months on the nose since his injury. Um, so... I think he'll be ready to go. You know, back in February, Vic Fangio said uh, he, Chubb would have been held out of an offseason program. That, of course, has not happened, but he's been re- rehabilitating at the team facility. And, you know, don't be surprised in the month of August, once camp starts, that, you know, they do monitor his reps because, A, they know what he can do, and, B, they want to get him to the starting block. And, uh, you know, I, I expect a, uh, a bounce-back season uh, for Chubb and also, uh, you know, a double-digit sacks at least. Well, and so injury, obviously uh, derailing Chubb's sophomore year last year in his third season. Let's see what he, what he can do. Everyone expecting big things. But then there's some also some guys that the Broncos need to bounce back from injuries who are probably bigger question marks, it's fair to say, Ryan. Juwan James at right tackle. Uh, knee issues, a torn MCL and partially torn meniscus limited him to just 63 snaps across three games last year. Bryce Callahan, cornerback, came in the first year in the Broncos system uh, under Vic Fangio, whom he played for in Chicago, and his whole year was a wash due to a foot injury, breaking that screw in his foot. Uh, So those two guys especially, and especially Jawan James and then Garrett Bowles, another guy who needs to be more consistent and bounce back, you're asking a lot from both your tackles uh, with some big question marks there surrounding Drew Locke. Yeah, the best thing you can say about Bulls is durable. Uh, right. He has not missed the start in three years. They just need him to be more consistent, avoid the train wreck games like Chicago last year. Avoid the big and, penalties, you know, right. Yeah, because the penalties tend to stack up on him. You know, the last half of the year, played a little bit better. 
Um, to me, James is more of a concern because right now at right tackle and, at, and with Callahan at nickel corner, what's plan B? And if, if especially also with Callahan, if he's there week one, that's a bonus. I'll believe it when I see it. That's no knock against him. It's just how the foot injury has gone for him. And uh, you know, they acquired A.J. Boye. They drafted Michael uh, Ojemude from Iowa in the third round. But they're still counting on Callahan. Uh, if he goes down, who covers the slot receiver? You have a bunch of guys still on the roster who last year couldn't do it, got benched. Maybe you can get a second or third chance to play. So, you know, on James, they, they're going to let Eli Wilkinson compete at left tackle. But, uh, you know, if you had to flip a coin right now, you'd say Elijah Wilkinson's going to play more snaps at right tackle this year than left right. because of James's health status. And it, uh, has got to, you know, get on the same page with the training staff, the medical staff, the coaching staff to say, hey, this is what went wrong last year. Last year, we got to, you know, manage myself to make sure I get to week one. Because remember, he played three games. He didn't finish any of them. Right. Um, Raiders week one. Colts week eight. Texans week 12 or 13, somewhere in that range. So, um, you know, big money free agent hasn't panned out yet. So, you know, James and Callahan, they better be ready to go because there's not a lot of options after them. So running down, you mentioned Von Miller is the last one, right? Von Miller is the last one of those five. And you know, some might disagree with this. Of course he did make his eighth pro bowl last year, largely on reputation, but was held to just eight sacks in 15 games. You know, he had, he had a skid of some games where he wasn't doing much at all. And I'm anticipating Monster, especially with Bradley Chubb coming back. Uh, as I mentioned, the Broncos linebacking depth overall and, and AJ Johnson in the middle there doing some things. I think he's going to come back hungrier than normal this year. Well, he should, um, you know, largely, uh, based on reputation on Pro Bowl, I'd say entirely based on reputation Pro Bowl. Um, it's probably like some other sports where you keep, you get going and you just get the vote automatically. You know, this was this Von Miller's last year with the Broncos could be entirely possible. And so I don't think he needs to audition for other teams, but you know, Von is a prideful guy. He realizes his streak of, double-digit sack years ended last year. And what, what what can't happen with this pass rush, and so I'll put Miller and Chubb there, they cannot start the season unable to get to the quarterback. You know, the first four game, the first three, four, three games last year, no sacks, no takeaways. Right. And, okay, you dug yourself an 0-3 hole you weren't able to, uh, you know, climb out of. So it, it, and what I look for with Bob, this falls on Vic Fangio as the defensive play caller, is try and create some matchups. You know, we didn't see Chubb and Miller on the same side of the, uh, of the uh, formation, uh, offensive formation, all where they can probe a matchup. And also, I think Jarrell Casey's uh, arrival as an interior pass rush is going to take a little bit of attention away, and that will help Miller. Because I think if you ask around the league, which 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 edge rusher concerns you more? I think more people at this point would say a healthy Chubb over a healthy Miller. Again, folks, first in Orange podcast, Kyle Newman alongside my compadre, Ryan O'Halloran. Moving on with the show here, let's focus on a couple up-and-comers, you could say, and you profiled these guys recently on DenverPost.com slash Broncos, Andrew Beck and Elijah Holder. And I'll tee you up on Beck by saying, just reading your headline here, potential role for Broncos Andrew Beck, part fullback, part tight end, all special teams. So obviously a big beneficiary of Andy Janovich's trade to Cleveland and a big opportunity here for Beck coming up. Yeah, I talked to Andrew about this last week and 
is he said opportunities like this don't come along every day in the NFL. He realizes what's at what's at hand. And, you know, we'll, we'll we'll rewind a little bit. You know, Beck was he was acquired off waivers on Labor Day weekend from New England because Janovich was hurt. They put him in at fullback, and at the time, okay, when Janovich comes back. There's got a glut of tight ends. Would Beck even be on the team? Well, not only was he on the team, not only was he active on game day, he was ahead of Troy Fumagalli, who they pushed down, and then Jake Butt was did come back from his knee injury. So it's you know it's tough to it's it's a, it's sometimes it's tough to explain to say okay what's the tight end depth chart look like okay Noah Fant one Nick Bennett two. I'm not going to put Andrew I'm not going to put Andrew Beck at three because he's going to be a uh, part-time fullback, part-time tight end, but he is going to have a huge role on the field in each game because of special teams and because of his versatility in offense. Because despite they don't, they don't, despite the fact they don't have a full-time fullback, they still have short yardage stuff where they're going to need a lead blocker. And Beck feels the foundation he built last year is going to benefit him moving forward. Well, and just like Andy Janovich's departure to Cleveland opens the door for Beck, Elijah Holder also a door open for him with Will Parks leaving in free agency to to Philly. And so a year into this cornerback to safety move, Elijah Holder, he's feeling like he's ready to prove something, it seems like. Yeah, and it's weird. It's like in that last preseason game last year, Holder was a corner of the whole, whole training camp all the way at Stanford. They played him a half at safety. I'm thinking at the time, okay, practice squad guy, give him some reps there. Well, then he became full-time at safety. And I remember talking to him toward the end of last year, and he, he told me that. He said, hey, I'm at safety all the time. And so they're sort of looking, they were looking ahead on Will Parks departing. And what's interesting about Holder is he, even if he's a safety, he can still cover because of his corner background. So if Vic Fangio wants to play dive, he can go three corners, he can go Boye, Callahan, uh, Ojumude, and they go three safeties. He can go Jackson, Simmons and potentially Holder. Trey Marshall would probably be a number two guy if one of the safeties got hurt, but he doesn't have the corner experience. And one thing Vic and Ed Donatel stress from younger guys, be able to do more than one thing. Right now, Holder can do that. He played some special teams the last two games when he was called up to the active roster. So another guy to, another guy to monitor. And you know that story's going to run maybe Thursday or Friday in the paper, and it's online right now Wednesday uh, around noon. What's interesting is we're writing about all these young guys not all of them are going to make the team, but you never know what, which guy is going to pop and have a great camp and make the team. Like last year, you know, we wrote about Mike Purcell. We're the only ones writing about Mike Purcell, I think, and he ended up being a starting nose tackle. So at this time of year, we're throwing darts at the board, but, you know, but sometimes uh, we actually hit a bullseye. So to conclude the show, we'll take a look at that tight end position. And, of course, you mentioned Andrew Beck, you know, being in the mix a little bit there. But obviously no offense to number one, Nick Vanette. Recent acquisition over the offseason, number two. Jeff Hireman has probably got to be in the mix somewhere, you know, fighting for some time. But what about Albert O, much hyped tight end out of Mizzou that they drafted? I feel like he's going to make some noise for some time come camp. Oh, who, way, boo, no. Albert O. Okay, way, okay, way, boo, no. So we're uh, saving you this, folks, by just calling him Albert O. So you, you know who we're talking about. I'm the big O. He's Alberto, so we got a kinship there. Um, here's what, here's the deal with Albert. Sort of, I've been sort of poking around with this. You know, I think fans need to slow their roll a little bit. I mean, the, the, the chemistry he has with Drew Locke is great. That was in the Big Twelve. They got no offense first round pick. He's their number one. Uh, Vendette's going to be your inline blocker, two tight end set. He's going to be putting his hand on the ground. 
to me, Jake Butt's status impacts Alberto's status. Not enough from a roster making standpoint, but being active on game day. You know, they still or they still feel Butt's got a chance after all these knee injuries, or else he still wouldn't be here. Right. If Jake has a, if Jake makes it through the preseason in one piece and he plays well, you can see Alberto maybe going into an inactive role on game day, uh, being a redshirt guy for the first couple weeks, and you know maybe slide him in because there's only you know he dressed 46 on game day. And I think that might could be smart because it is a transition. And he wasn't a first round pick, and uh, you, you know, if he has to play, he should be up to speed by you know month into the season with the offense. So, you know, I saw somewhere saying that they think um, Alberto's going to get more touches than Noah Fant. That's a ridiculous statement um, because that's just not going to happen unless as long as Fant's healthy. So, I think you know you can tell why they're drafting him is. Butts a free agent after the year. Hireman, even if he makes the team, maybe uh, maybe uh, gone after this year. So they're sort of they they made the Albert O pick with an eye toward twenty twenty one of going with the top three three tight ends potentially of Fant, Bennett, and Albert O, and that's a pretty formidable trio. Yeah, and I think you make a great point, Ryan. Can't forget about Jake Butt, uh, drafted out of Michigan a few years back. Of course, multiple knee injuries have derailed him from making any impact on the field whatsoever. So if he can be healthy, he could be an interesting wrinkle in this tight end mix in 2020. And, and one other thing I'll add on that, I think I echo that ridiculousness that you feel about Noah Fant and Alberto and the touches there. I mean, uh, Fant 40 receptions for 562 yards and three scores last year. I anticipate that to increase quite a bit this year, especially under Pat Shermer's scheme and, and Noah Fant's second year really blossoming. You saw how much he grew from week to week last year. So I think Noah Fant is in for a big season. Yeah, and, and what's going to be interesting for Pat Shermer is how do you divide the, how do you, how do you divide the meal, right. so to speak? Um, he wants they, they want to be a running football team with Melvin Gordon, complimented by Philip Lindsay, but then you got Cortland Sutton, you got Jerry Judy, you got KJ Hamler, you got Noah Fant. Um, you know, if I had to rank the targets right now, predicting it, I'd go Sutton one, Fant two, Judy three, Hamler four, and that doesn't include the ability of Melvin Gordon to catch balls out of the backfield. So, um, what what the Broncos want to have happen with 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 these skill position players they've added in the last couple of years, they want to increase that at yards per catch. They want to be able to hit some more home runs down the field. That's why they drafted Hamler, uh, Judy Feltone, so as a no brainer pick. So it's uh, you know it's going to be interesting to see who gets who gets more touches. Is it a week to week thing? Is there some guys more prioritized based on the matchup, which is probably the best move? So it's uh, it's a nice problem to have for the Broncos. Again, folks, First in Orange podcast, Kyle Newman, Ryan O'Halloran. Appreciate you listening in to the show. You can head to denverpost.com slash Broncos for continued coverage of the team as we monitor the NFL slowly starting to uh, open back up along with the rest of society, and we'll see when players get back into physical action here. Last thing, a couple things on Broncos front is, as I speak Wednesday afternoon here, the coaches are back in the facility um, in the afternoon. They do their morning meetings via Zoom with their players who are still not allowed in the complex, and then they meet as they have staff meetings in the afternoon. So they're working their way back into it, and uh, so that's another good sign. But I'd be remiss if I didn't ask my scene head, Kyle Newman. How much confidence should Rockies have to make the right pick in the first round of the MLB draft? 
I think I think they're going to make a good pick. I mean, they got the number nine pick. It's a pretty uh, dense draft in terms of college pitching talent. Uh, they've taken a pitcher in five of the last. 10 first round picks. So chances are they're going to take an arm. They're going to take an arm up high. It's going to be a college guy probably. So I think, I think chances are Jeff Breidich is, is going to do well. I mean, he has, he has done fairly well uh, with, with some picks as of late. I mean, Brendan Rogers, one of his first picks is now in the big leagues uh, and starting to break out hopefully this year. So fingers crossed, but yeah, MLB draft starts tonight, Wednesday. And then of course, Thursday too. And it's just five rounds, Ryan and Rockies yeah. only have Rockies only have six picks. Rockies have less picks than the Broncos for definitely the first time in history. Right. Yeah. It, it's so weird. I, I watched it. We're digressing here, but I think it's still interesting comparing the drafts and other sports I and mean, the NFL draft. I mean, it is a, 10, 12 week onslaught of coverage. Right. I mean, known players watching tape, going to the combine. So I'm used to that. I covered an NHL draft like nine years ago in Minneapolis, and it was like, it was like rapid fire. And who are these kids? They're 18 years old. And the same thing in baseball. So it's it's different how the different sports do their drafts because you know, I've learned I don't know any of these guys because they have. I'd watch college world series maybe, but they didn't, that didn't happen. So it's right. just sort of, it's sort of it's fascinating to me how much, how different the processes, those processes are for these drafts. Of course, I'll have coverage of that at differentpost.com slash Rockies. Of course, talking all sports here on the first in orange podcast, as we usually tend to do, uh, keep it tuned here to this podcast and denverpost.com slash Broncos for more Broncos and NFL coverage coming forward. For Ryan O'Halloran, this is Kyle Newman. Appreciate you listening in, and until next time, take it easy.